0: Now, those of you who were here last week will realize that we actually kept you waiting for patience because uh, I think it was kindness overtook it. Uh, and actually that was pretty appropriate because last week was National Random Acts of Kindness Week, so we kind of got in sync with what was going on in the world, and that was really quite important. So, But we also then made you wait for patience, which I thought was quite ironic at one level. Just to be clear, you don't have to laugh at any of my jokes. My kids never did. Um, so we're going to talk about patience, and I guess when I, uh, Phil and Sarah and I were talking about this, th- there was no way that I could speak on the subject of, of patience with integrity without asking Sarah to join me um, on the basis that of um, the two of us, Sarah is by far and away the more patient of the two, and she has spent over 30 years laughing and crying with me in the waiting and so you're going to hear from both of us today uh, let's just launch by reading the kind of the, the series verses really which are galatians 5 and 23 i'm going to read it from the new american standard version for two reasons a because it's my favorite version of the bible as you know and b because it uses the word patience as opposed to forbearance which i thought wasn't really very helpful so Galatians 5, to 23, if you've got your Bibles, you can turn to it. It should hopefully plop up on the screen at some point if um, if the slides are working. There we go. So, um, uh, look, see, editorial overrule. We've gone back to the New International Version, which says forbearance. Look at that. Anyway, I'm going to read it in the NASB just to be rebellious. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. That last bit gives us a clue about the fruit of the Spirit, and in particular patience, in that it tells us that these attributes of Holy Spirit in us are actually um, at odds with perhaps our natural inclination, so I don't feel so bad about that because maybe I'm not the only one battling with patience here in that sense. But there's something about us, according to Paul, having to crucify the flesh in order to be able to embrace these uh, fruits of the Spirit. So just to say quickly on that, that doesn't mean flesh in this case, doesn't mean physical body. You have to be very careful about the way you interpret the Greek word sarx. It can, be, it can be used in many different contexts to mean many different things. Put simply here, what it means is the tendency in you and me to be selfish. That's probably the best way I could define socks in this passage for you. So in all of us is this tendency to want to do what feels good for us. And what Paul is saying is to embrace the fruit of the Spirit and being filled with Holy Spirit's attributes. We have to kind of recognize that tendency in us and kill it. Happy with that? Yeah, good. You were quiet this morning. So, the first thing I want to do is just talk to you a little bit about the spirit of this age. So the next slide is a little bit busy, but it's a bit of a visual clue, really. Over my lifetime, fast food restaurants emerged. I can remember a time when there wasn't McDonald's. That probably dates me, doesn't it? But I remember the shock when I went to McDonald's in the Trafford Centre and found that they'd introduced an express lane. I remember thinking at the time, not only has food gone fast, I can now choose to have it delivered through an express lane, right? I thought, this is taken fast to an extreme. And then eventually, you had the drive-through, which meant now you don't even have to get out of your car, you can just drive-through and pick this up. It's a metaphor for the spirit of the age in which you and I live DFS and those really annoying furniture adverts every new tell you that you can have it now and pay later. I remember the little family celebration we had when four years after I bought my sofa I said to the kids, We own it now. Ta-da! Another example of the spirit of this age which says you don't have to wait. You can have it now. The only problem is you do have to pay later. Nothing against pot noodles, anybody. Those of you who do eat them don't feel condemned. Um, but there's pretty much no food meal that you cannot now get and pour water on it and eat it. Okay. So over my lifetime, food has become almost instant everything. Right? You can have instant anything. And then probably one of the more recent attributes of the spirit of this age is so-called binge viewing. Now, I'm not going to make an appeal for this, right, because I probably have to join the queue, but now with the advent of things like Netflix, right, those of us who struggle to have to wait for the next episode do something really interesting. We actually wait until all ten are available and then watch them all at the same time. Why? Because we can't cope with the thought that having watched episode one, we have to wait a whole week Heaven help us for episode two, binge watching. It's called binge viewing. And then finally, I guess there's a, a plethora of instant icons at the bottom of that slide, right? Almost everything you can have now is instant. Email, telephone, text, messenger, Skype. You can communicate like that. When I first started going out, if that's the technical term, with Sarah, courting Sarah. It probably was in those days. Um, uh, I know I don't look old enough, but that's true, right? Uh, Guess what? The internet hadn't been invented. So do you know what Sarah and I used to do? Because we lived 300 miles apart. Every week, Sarah would write a letter to me, and I would write a letter back. And... The anticipation of waiting for that letter to arrive was heartbreaking, quite frankly. And if it didn't come, I thought, oh no, she doesn't love me anymore. Um, but can you imagine today, you know, relationships are defined by instant channels of communication. Loads of them. The problem is, is that there are, all of us are communicating, but I wonder how many of us are actually listening. Yeah. You know, we can we can have it now and pay later, which means we know the price of anything, but the value of nothing. And Paul in Romans twelve said, Don't let the world squeeze you into its mould. And I think it's very easy for all of us to find ourselves in a situation where our way of doing life is shaped entirely by the world around us. And I think when it comes to patience, perhaps patience is one of the most countercultural fruits of the Spirit, because patience asks us to wait. You know, you go into a supermarket and you scan checkouts. Oh, that queue looks a bit long. That checkout person looks a bit slow. And you kind of, I don't know if I'm going to do this, I kind of rationalize this is the fastest route out of the supermarket. And then, God bless them, the person in front of you then spends like half an hour trying to find their their money or something, or they've got a broken something and somebody has to go away and find it. And you're there thinking, oh no, I'm in the Check out queue. You know, you're in a petrol station, or yesterday I queued. No, day before yesterday I queued to get into my own country. I have to pay six pounds seventy for the privilege of getting into Wales. But I'm kind of coming up to the tolls, and I'm thinking, which is going to be the fastest way to get through this toll booth? And I find myself behind a car, and unfortunately, the driver in front has parked too far away from the machine, so she's now. And, and then I've had it in France where the person in front of me dropped their money, you know, and then they get out of the car and now they're under the car looking for their coins and I'm behind them thinking, well oh, you move on. In fact, I'm going to go pay for you just to get through. The problem with all of this, and I need to move on, is that the spirit of this age detaches us from the idea of process and the concept of journey and the need to grow. You see, if you want asparagus today, you've got two options. You go and buy it from a supermarket, or three years ago, you dug a trench. There's only two ways to get it, because it can take two and three years to grow. Problem is, we just buy it from a supermarket, don't we? Because two or three years ago, we weren't thinking about the fact we might want asparagus in 2017. And yet, The Lord shows up in our lives and He often says to all of us, wait. The most extreme example I can give you of this is, how many of you play video games? If you're video gamers, you're probably, you're going to connect to this point. Computer people and video gamers measure waiting in milliseconds. It's called latency or lag. And if you're a video gamer, If lag or latency goes above 100 milliseconds, you're starting to find yourself at a bit of a disadvantage. By the time you get to 200 milliseconds, there is, you you are toast, right? And by the time you get to 300 milliseconds of lag, you're on the phone to your service provider complaining very loudly that you're coming last all the time. Can you imagine measuring our waiting time in milliseconds? Just how mad is that? But to a video gamer, it's everything. Many years ago, next slide, one of the ways in which this manifested itself in the church was this concept of now faith. So I'm now going to blow somebody's theological prejudice up, but it's hopefully nobody in this room, okay? In Hebrews 11, it says this, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen. And there was this teaching that said, now faith, now faith, faith is now. You can have it and you can have it now. You just have to name it and claim it and ping, arrives. Didn't have Amazon in those days, but it probably was Amazon Prime, Angelic Prime, right? And and those those folks had found themselves in one of those famous ditches that I often talk about because truth is a very wide road, it's a very wide road. But on either side there are ditches, and and those folks who went around telling Christians in the seventies and eighties you can have it all and you can have it now, had allowed the spirit of this age to bend their theology dramatically out of shape. And if you if I need a Bible verse for that, it's this one which was meant to be in the NIV, so I'm feeling very calm again. Because what this verse tells you is, you're required to have faith and patience. Faith and patience are required to inherit what the Lord has promised you. And isn't it logical to think that if you need patience and faith, it must surely mean that faith isn't always instant. Because if it was, why would you need patience? So I just want to encourage you. We are called to live by faith, but the Bible exhorts us also to be patient. The challenge you and I face is what happens when the requirement to wait bumps into my immaturity. So the next slide is a kind of little picture of what kind of goes wrong. The black lab on your left is our five month old Labrador who has no concept of the word wait whatsoever. And the problem with immaturity is it's not very good at waiting. And when I'm asked to wait and it bumps into my maturity, all sorts of interesting things can happen. That picture on the right is what you might call not waiting very well. But it's an, a metaphor for what can happen when we find ourselves being asked to wait and it bumps into our immaturity. And that's why, next slide, Romans 5 Chapter 5, verses 1 to 5 for me, are so vitally important in our journey of growing up as Christians. And I'll tell you why when I've read it. So let me just read Romans 5, verses 1 to 5 for you. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our suffering brackets, being asked to wait. Because we know that suffering, being asked to wait produces perseverance, perseverance character and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. In the context of our talk today, I just want to interpret suffering, your suffering as mine, as those moments when we are asked to wait. We are required to wait. We have to wait. And that is not what really we want. The keys here are so vitally important, honestly, to our spiritual, emotional, mental and physical health. Suffering, the requirement to wait, produces what Paul calls perseverance. It's a different Greek word to patience, but they have similar ideas. Perseverance is holding your position, holding your posture. It's waiting well. The requirement to wait creates in you and I perseverance or patience. And what that produces is what Paul calls character, and character produces hope. So when we parent, or we dog train, one of the most important things we have to do is equip our children and our puppies to wait. Why? Because it produces in them patience and perseverance, which produces character, which produces hope. Those who have never been trained to wait are hopeless. What happens is, they bump into life, and life says wait, and they go, oh, oh, I'm done, it's a disaster, I'm never gonna do it. How do I know that? I've done it myself. The moment you bump into having to wait and you go hopeless, what you are seeing in yourself or in that child or that puppy, or that person that you're a fellow traveling with, is a weakness in character that has not been established because they've never been asked to wait. So the, one of the most amazing things we can do is ask ourselves to wait. Because it produces perseverance, patience. Patience produces character. Character produces hope. Now, I'm not asking you to be, I can see nobody's like, you know, jumping out of their seat and dancing at this point and going, Whoa, great. I'm not expecting you to be happy about this, but it just, it's true. Sometimes the truth has to kill you before it changes you, right? So this is truth. This is, sometimes we have to wait. And sometimes as parents, we make our children wait. And sometimes as the Lord, he chooses to do the same thing. We, as Christians, need to be the most hope-filled people on the planet. We are meant to be hope bearers. Which is why it matters to him so much that he builds within us character rooted in patience, rooted in having to wait. The moment we short circuit that, we short circuit our transformation and we undermine one of the reasons that we are on the planet. Whoa, that's amazing. Another person who really knows what they're talking about.
1: That's a bit scary. So, before we move on, I want to just interject with actually what the definitions of patience are. So, the first definition that I want to give you is the Cambridge Dictionary. Patience is the ability to wait or to continue doing something despite difficulties or to suffer without complaining or becoming annoyed. That sounds really difficult to me.
0: I'm feeling very convicted. Let's go on to the
1: next one, <laughs> see if that's any better. <laughs> so the next one is a definition um, from Skip Moen, who is Mark's favourite Greek and Hebrew scholar. So Skip Moen says, patience is choosing to leave him on the throne, trusting him with all the circumstances of life expressing confidence that God will act, giving up my life to God no matter what happens to me. That sounds equally difficult.
0: Yeah, food for thought there. You see, the thing is, impatience sometimes looks like, God, you're not cutting it, so I'm going to take charge. And how many times can you feel yourself doing that? Like, He's not, he's not, he's not. So I am. And that's impatience. The thing is, it can be. Somebody once said it can be hell in the hallway. So here's another image. It can be hell in the hallway, right? You're in between. You've left somewhere and you're on your way somewhere else. But it can be hell in the hallway. I think all of us kind of experienced that at some point in our lives. So what's going on in the hallway? Two things, and then I'm going to hand back to Sarah who's going to land us with some practical ways in which we can wait well. But it's really important to understand when you are in the hallway, two things are going on, at least. One is, he is growing you. The second thing is, he's growing the answer. And those are two ways in which we can partner with him in the hallway to understand that whilst it may not be what we want when we want it that in the waiting he is doing at least two things growing us and growing the answer James 1 2 to 4 which isn't in the um, in the notes talks about this idea of counting it pure joy when you face trials aka when you have to wait and the whole point of those verses in James is James is saying the reason why you count it joy, so Andrew's talk on joy, not because of what's going on around me, it's hell in the hallway, but I'm counting it your joy because I have an eternal perspective on what's going on right now. And what's going on right now is he is building character in me. So that's James agreeing with Paul. So he's growing me in the waiting so that we are strong enough to load bear the answer. Sometimes in our immaturity, we ask him for things that if he gave them to us, then would kill us. Sometimes your kids wanna do something and actually at that stage in age, that would be dangerous. One day it could be fine, but right now that's dangerous. So he keeps us waiting because he is growing us. But the exciting thing is he's also growing the answer. I love this. Sometimes what we want now is actually good, but it's not great. And what he wants is great. So what he's doing is he's keeping us waiting while he's growing the answer. That means it's bigger and it's better. So as you know, Sarah, Sarah and I, and Sarah's mom and dad, we moved into a house uh, over 18 months ago that was a house that Sarah had dreamed of. And... Whilst we waited a long time for the house that we now live in, the wonderful thing about that house is that somebody else built it and did all the work on it. And actually, when we came to buy it, we got it ridiculously discounted of what they were originally thinking they were going to get for it. So two things happened in that process. One, somebody else was doing all the work. Secondly we got it a lot, lot, lot cheaper, like a lot cheaper than we would have done if we bought it sooner than we did. So there was something about the timing of that that meant we were growing and the answer was growing. And when they came together, what we had was just a beautiful combination of the goodness of God at the right time, in the right way. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, He makes everything, including you, and me, and the answer, beautiful in its time. There's mystery in that, that I can't and we can't answer why. But it does say he makes everything beautiful in its time. So to close, hand back to Sarah. What does it look like to wait well? I think that's a really good question to ask and answer as we close out.
1: Okay, so I'm um the things I'm going to talk about now are not everything, but these are just five things that I've picked out, really, to um, some keys to help us. Um, I'm not going to read it for time's sake, but if you want to read Psalm 37, that's an amazing psalm that talks about waiting and gives us some really good keys to waiting well, um, and even better is Psalm 37 in the Passion Translation. That is just stunning. So what does waiting well look like? Well, the five things that I've looked at are Waiting well looks like leaning in It looks like trusting It looks like being still It looks like being thankful And it looks like embracing the season that you're in What I want to do as well in these five things Is just compare and contrast how two people in the Bible did that So, or three people So Abraham and Sarah um, versus Hannah. I haven't got time to go into those stories right now, but the Abraham and Sarah one, if you read Genesis 15 and 16, and then Hannah is 1 Samuel 1 and 2. Particularly chapter 2 is a stunning prayer of Hannah's. Um, So Hannah, when she uh, was, was in the middle of waiting, and really difficult waiting, you know, it wasn't just that she was waiting, she was being taunted in her waiting um she decided to run towards god rather than run away from him she ran into him and she clung to him she cried to him and she was honest with him she brought her her situation to him rather than kept it to herself and and ran away um i think for us you know Leaning in can mean 101 different things for different people. But for me, I just think leaning in is the ability to fix our eyes onto him in the middle of whatever else we're going in. Abide in his presence, because in his presence, we come alive. In his presence, we find everything that we need for every situation that we find ourselves in. Um, finding him in the season because he, he will be everything that you need him to be. He will be able to, he will produce the fruit of patience. He will be able to help you to wait whilst you're waiting. He will comfort you. Um, and if we don't lean in, we miss out on all of those things. Keeps It keeps us in step with his Holy Spirit. You know, and this is a fruit of the Spirit. I do think it's probably one of the most difficult fruits in the basket, patience. But growing patience is a fruit of the Spirit and by by staying in step, by being led by the Spirit and drawing on the Spirit, patience will grow and will be formed in us. So waiting well looks like trusting him. Trusting him, a little bit like Skip Moen said, is surrendering control of our life to him. To what he wants to do in us and through us and with us. It's leaving him on the throne. Hannah took her situation to God and gave it to God and left it with God. When we look at Abraham and Sarah, I think, on the other hand, they looked at their circumstances and they looked at the length of the weight and I think they thought, I think I might take matters into my own hands. And they produced Ishmael. You know, God made everything right in the end, but, but the point is that they... They, took, they didn't leave him on the throne at that point and they took matters into their own hands. You know, and, and waiting is difficult. Waiting is really difficult. Seasons of waiting are hard and um, length of waiting and lack of answers can cloud who we know God to be and who we know him to be in faithfulness and in goodness um, and, and his sovereignty. You know, and, and trust in him says... I trust you that you are on the throne, not me. I trust you that you will work everything out. Whatever it looks like, however I'm feeling, I trust you. Um, and leaving him on the throne is, is, a, is a reaction or a response of faith, not a reaction of fear. Um, and, it's, and it's also looking at him and saying, I know who you are. You know, when when we're in seasons where we can't see or we can't hear, it's really important that we go back to what we know and who we know. Because he is good. He's always good. He's always been good. And he always will be good and faithful. And he'll always be with us. Waiting well looks like being still. Which is really difficult. When you're waiting for something, panic and kick in. When is this going to happen? Is it ever going to happen? I'm going to just try and do something about it. But He wants us to be still before Him and wait. He wants us to be still and know that He's God. And He wants in that stillness to allow Him to calm our storm and to know the peace that passes our understanding that says, I don't understand why this is happening right now. I don't understand why I have to wait. But all I know is I have your peace that passes all those understand, all the understanding in the circumstances and I'm gonna stand in stillness. You know, he always comes. He doesn't always come when we think he's gonna come, but he will always come. And the answer will always come. So waiting well also looks like thank, being thankful. And at this point you're thinking you've got to be kidding not only do i have to wait i have to wait patiently not only do i have to do that i have to do it without complaining and now you're telling me we need to be thankful thankfulness takes the focus off me and off mine and why me and why is this happening to me you can't be thankful and complain at the same time hannah was an amazing example of this. She took her her issues and her circumstances to God and then she rejoiced. She didn't have the answer. She hadn't seen what he was going to do. And before all of that happened, she actually gave thanks. That is really hard, really hard to be in the middle of a situation, not see the wood for the trees, and yet, I'm going to give thanks. I am going to rejoice and I am going to thank you for who you are and what I know you to be. And there's a, in, um, in the first line of the prayer in 1 Samuel 2, Hannah says, my heart rejoices in the Lord and the Lord has made me strong. That's a declaration right there. You know, in the middle of waiting, you give thanks and he makes me strong. He makes me strong to be able to withstand the weight and the suffering. She knew who God was, and she believed in him, and she expressed, expressed her gratitude for his power, and his work in her life. So lastly, waiting well looks like embracing the season, whatever season you are in. You know, some of those songs we sang today were amazing. You are the first and you are the last. You're the beginning and the end. You are my future and my past. You know, whatever season we were in, there are some truths that we can hold on to. You know, he's been there before, he'll be there after, he knows all of the middle. um, And he's with us in all of that middle time. Um, I think, honestly, we have had quite a lot of seasons of waiting. And in those seasons of waiting, it is the best thing to embrace it. That looks like all sorts of different things, you know. It's seeing the beauty in the season. It's seeing the good things. It's being able to recognise what he's doing and why he's doing it. It's also acknowledging this is really hard. You know, embracing the season doesn't mean pretend it's not there, pretend it's not happening. It's tough. You know, some of these seasons are tough and it's good to just embrace that. Waiting well looks like wishing it wasn't. No, it's not wishing it wasn't over. It's just saying, okay, this is how this is how it is, and this is where I am. You know, like Hannah, we don't know for sure how things are going to work out. We don't know for sure when things are going to work out, but we do know that he's going. He he does know who we are, and he has got the good for us, and it is going to finish those seasons of waiting will finish Um, and the things that he puts in us in those seasons are for good and they're to strengthen us and they're to give us patience. We need to know that what he starts he does finish. He won't leave us hanging and knowing that he's good and that he's faithful and that he's with us enables us not just to endure through the season but to get up And to live and to and to walk through the season it's really important that we can you know we can we can continue walking through that season and trust that he has us he holds us and he will never ever let us go and that through it we can have joy we can know his purpose and above anything we have his hope wow
0: amazing Okay, so we're done. I feel like every time I get the privilege of speaking to us as a community, I feel like what I'm actually saying to us is grow up. I do feel like that. You know, that is just my sense. And and this morning, I, I guess it's no different. I guess I'm saying to us all, the call to be patient is a call to maturity. And actually, that's a strategic call because that means we become hope bearers. And the world, if it needs anything, needs hope from those who bear it, and that's us. So in closing, I just wanna say this, let's, as a community, I would love us to commit ourselves to learning what it looks like to wait well, yeah? And that is embracing the process, enjoying the journey, all of these cliches, right? And committing ourselves to him as he grows us and grows the answer. And that makes us an unstoppable force in this world. But we also wanted to finish just by recognizing, you know, that it can be hell in the hallway. And one of the beautiful things about the hallway that I found myself in was that, that Sarah was right there with me every step of the way. Because life is difficult sometimes, but we were never meant to do it alone. And that's what beauty of family and community is all about. Yeah. So I just want to, we just want to finish by praying for anyone who feels right now you are in the hallway and you just need somebody to stand alongside you and help you to wait well, yeah? That could look like many different things with different people, but if that's you today and you feel like, God, I I feel like I'm in the waiting room and I've just been challenged to wait well and I would love people to stand alongside me and to help me to do that. If you want to stand up right now, because again, we just want to wrap community and wrap family around you. And if there's nobody, that's absolutely fine. But I'm sure there'll be some people who just feel like, I'm waiting and I just want to be able to wait well. Okay. That's good. There's no shame in this, by the way. This is just us expressing family. Yeah. You're waiting. There can be hell in the hallway and you just want family and community to wrap themselves around you. you can see somebody standing right now, just go and stand alongside them. And in doing that, before you've opened your mouth, what you're saying is, you're not alone. Nobody should be alone in the hallway.
1: Father, I thank you that you are good. Yes. Father, you are a good father, and that you know us individually. Father, you know where we're at. You know our struggle. Father, I pray right now that you would come into each one of these situations, Father, and give hope. Father, I thank you that you are a hope, hope hope-giving God. And Father, whatever each one of these people feels right now, I pray that your faith would be there for them. Father, you would give them the gift of faith to know that they can stand, that you are with them, and that you will see them through it. Father, we thank you that you never leave us alone, that you're always with us, and that you are good. Thank you, Father.